0: Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. If you have your Bibles, with you open them with me, please, to the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles, chapter number 15. There's a word that has been spurring, stirring around in my spirit for the last few months. And, you know, I've learned over the years after pastoring now for woo, 27 years. And this August, I think I'll be preaching for, wait a minute, what? Ooh, 35, I believe, 35 years. I'll be preaching 35 years in August. And so when God puts something in your spirit and won't let it go, you got to stay with it. First Chronicles chapter number, chapter number 15. And it says, David built houses for himself in the city of David. And he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, no one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. And David gathered all Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. Then David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites, the son of Kohath, Uriel the chief, and 120 of his brethren, of the sons of Merare, Asaiah, the chief, and 220 of his brethren, of the sons of Gershom, Joel, the chief, and 130 of his brethren, of the sons of Elizaphan, Shemaiah, the chief, and 200 of his brethren. Of the sons of Hebron, Eliel the chief, and 80 of his brethren. Of the sons of Uziel, Aminadab the chief, and 112 of his brethren. And David called for Zadok and Abiathar the priest. And for the Levites, for Uriel, Asaiah, Joel, Shimeiah. Eliel, and Menadab, And he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about, because we did not consult him about, because we, thank you David for taking responsibility, did not consult him about the, Proper order. Stop right there. That's what I want to talk about for a moment here. I won't hold you too long. The proper order. The proper order. As I said, just a couple of minutes ago, a lot has gone on in the last last three years, globally, not just nationally, but globally pandemic has hit the world here alone in america it has been recorded that now over a million people have died from this pandemic this coronavirus a million people have died many people have been sick from it and have come through it by god's grace thank god my brothers have come through it by God's grace that many people who have been sick and are still going through because of this uh, the nation literally had to shut down because of this pandemic churches had to shut down and I remember we our last Sunday Uh, I believe it was March of 2020 we had to shut down and the third Sunday in March and we were not able to go back into our church last Sunday marked a year, which was May, the third Sunday of May 2021. Thank God we've been back in person worship for the last year now. But during all of this, all of what has gone on Uh, In this nation alone, many people, godly people, men and women of God, have died. They lost their lives. Many families have been disrupted. Many lives have been changed forever because of this. Thank God that we're, I believe, on the backside of this pandemic the only challenge that I have now is, did we, did we understand why this nation and the world went through a pandemic? Because when I read the Bible, when I read Scripture... Like I said, I've been preaching for be 35 years in August, and I've read the Bible a lot of times, and I've never read where the devil had the power to pour out a plague on anybody. The only person that I've ever read in Scripture who has sent plagues upon a people and even his own people is God. So we can argue whichever way we want to argue about it. We can say whatever we want to say. We can say this is not God's character. God would never do anything like this to his people. But when I read the scripture, (laughs) he's the only person who has ever poured out a plague because he's the only one. He's sovereign. Now let me give us real quickly three, three things about the nature of God. Three real quick things about his nature. Uh, Number one, God is eternal. Always remember that about God. He's eternal. God has always existed. There was never a time when God didn't exist. God will always exist. Uh, When Moses wrote uh, Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, that is not where God began. God, if you really want to know the truth about it, You have to read verse number zero where it says before there was a beginning. That was God God did not begin when the beginning began. He is the one who began the beginning. Can I get an amen? amen? From everlasting to everlasting Thou art God So he's been around forever and he will always be around number two God is immutable God has always been God and he has never changed who he has been. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. His nature does not change. If he has always been eternal, he will always be eternal. If he has always been, he will always be. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's the third thing real quickly about God. God is holy. God is holy. Got to always remember that. He is a holy God. He is completely pure. He is completely sinless. There is no darkness in him. In him there is light no darkness at all, no sin. God is so holy that even when his only begotten son was hanging on the tree, extended between the heavens and the earth, and his son said, my God, my God, why has you forsaken me? It was because Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And when he became sin, because God is so holy and God is so pure, God had to turn his back And not look at his son who became sin. Now, of course, that's an anthropomorphism. He turned his back. God is omniscient, God is a spirit, God is omnipresent. So, God, even if he turns his back, he knows what's going on back there. But God cannot be a part of sin because he's holy, so he's eternal. He's immutable and he's holy. So, if he is holy now, he has always been holy and he will always be holy. Now let's dive into the text because the first thing that I want to say about chapter number 15 is that the contents that is written in chapter 15 wouldn't be necessary if David would have taken care of business in chapter 13. We wouldn't have chapter 15 the way that it is written if David would have gotten it right in chapter number 13. David was the king. He was the new king of all of Israel. Seven years prior to this, David had become the crowned king of Judah, the tribe of Judah, which is the tribe that he was from. Uh, His predecessor Saul had been killed or he died on the battlefield. And now David, these years later, these seven years later, he is crowned king and anointed for the third time to be the king of all of Israel. And the first thing that David desired to do was to uh, bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. He wanted to set up a place for the Ark to rest in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, let's go over to chapter 13 and let's let's just walk right through it because you're going to see what I'm talking about. Starting at verse number 1. Verse number one, look at what it says. It says, then David consulted the captains of thousands and hundreds with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel, And with them to the priests and the Levites who are in their cities and their common lands that they may gather together with us. And let us bring the ark of our God back to us. For we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. So here's the first thing that David wants to do. He wants to bring the ark of the covenant. Uh to Jerusalem so that they, David and the people could reinstitute worship in Israel because under the reign of Saul, worship was not important. Worshiping God was not a priority. The only thing that Saul was concerned about was how Saul looked before the people. But he was not a worshiper. Like David was Saul was not a man after God's own heart Like David was As a matter of fact David was a writer and composer of music and songs And David was a musician And he loved God passionately And he wanted to bring worship to the people of God The way that it was supposed to be designed Can I get an amen today? He was a worshiper And not only was he a worshiper, but David was also a warrior. He had a warrior's heart. It was a young man, David, who went out on the battlefield and stood up against the giant Goliath who was mocking the people of God, including King Saul and the army of God. And David, a young boy, took a slingshot and five smooth stones and he killed Goliath. Slung that stone, hit him in the head, knocked him down, took out his sword, chopped his head off. Can I get an amen? He was a warrior. Wasn't scared of nobody. (laughs) Glory to God. I love David. I love David. And he was a shepherd. He was a young shepherd boy. When we first start reading about him uh, in uh, Samuel, we, we read about him tending to his father's sheep. And he cared for the sheep. This is where David learned to care for God's people. And how many of you all know that wherever God places you, particularly when you first start out working for God, oftentimes it prepares you for where God is taking you. Can I get an amen? So David was a shepherd. He was a warrior, and he was a worshiper. And I could say a lot more about David, but I just want to get to this piece right here because David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, as you all know, is the most important piece in the tabernacle at that time. uh huh. And, of course, you all have a replica of the Ark back there, which is beautiful. I love to see it every time we come. But the Ark of the Covenant, it was simply an oblong box that was two and a half cubits long, one and a half cubits wide, and one and a half cubits in depth, and width. And so it was overlaid. It was made of shittim wood and overlaid with pure gold. On the inside of the ark, that was the bowl of manna. Can I get an amen? Uh Uh-huh, and not only that, but that were the law, the tablets, the law. And that was also the budding rod of Aaron. So you have the bowl of manna, bread that fell from heaven, which symbolizes Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the bread that fell from heaven. Can I get an amen? Uh-huh. You had the law, the word of God. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and the word became flesh. He is the word. Can I get an amen? And he was the, and then there was the budding rod of Aaron. That there is no way a piece of wood that has been separated from the trunk of a tree could still bud. Uh-huh. This represented the resurrection. Can I get an amen? Jesus said, "I am the resurrection, and I am the life." Can I get an amen today? Uh Uh-huh. So you have the bowl of manna, you have the law, you have the rod of Aaron, which also represent Jesus, all three of them. But then atop of the ark, you had what was called the mercy seat. That mercy seat was also made of shittim wood and it was covered with pure gold. And atop of the mercy seat, there were two cherubs, Or you can call them cherubim plural. They face one another and then they look down at the mercy seat. One cherub represented the father. The other cherub represented the Holy Ghost. And the father and the Holy Ghost face one another and they look down at the mercy seat which represents Jesus. I wish I had a church up in here and and when the high priest would go into the most holy place once a year, he would take the blood that was taken from the sacrifices and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat and the voice between the cherubim from God would tell the high priest that the sins of the people had been atoned for that year. I wish I had a church up in here today. So this was the most important piece of furniture in In the tabernacle. The ark represented God's glory. It represented God's throne on earth it represented the protection and the power of God and so this was a holy piece it was a sacred piece of furniture and David desired to bring this most holy piece of furniture into the tabernacle the tent that he had erected for the ark of God to rest because prior to his reign Saul didn't care anything about the ark Hmm. so David consulted with the people he talked to the people about this and the people were alright with it and so David and the people got together to bring the ark verse 4 says then all the assembly said that they would do so for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people so David gathered all Israel together from Sehor and Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kerjath Jearim. And David and all Israel went up to Bala uh, to Kerjath Jearim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord. Who dwells between the cherubim where his name is proclaimed? So David, David had a good idea. This was a good thing to do. He wanted to bring back and establish worship in Israel because this was the proper thing to do. Uh, it was it, it was necessary to do because. God, Jehovah God, was their God, and the people of God should be worshiping their God. So, David had a good idea. It was the good idea. And how many of you know just because you have a good idea does not mean you can go about carrying out that good idea the right way? Let's keep reading. It says, um, and so, um, and David. Uh, We are in verse number seven. Yes, so they carried the ark of God on a new cart. Have mercy, Jesus. From the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart. They put it on a new cart. All right? Come on. This is the most holy piece of furniture in the tabernacle. We want to make sure that we do this thing right. And we want to do it big. And we want it, you know, we want to present it in such a way that only God can get the glory. So they built a new cart to put it on. I mean, if you're going to. Bring the most holy peace to the tabernacle. You, ought to, you don't want to bring it in on an old cart. You don't want to bring it in on a new cart. You want to, on a used cart, brother. You want to bring the most holy peace on a new cart. <laughs> so they put it on a new cart. All right. And Benadab's sons, Uzzah and Ahiah, they were guiding this new cart now watch this uh, look at this then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might with singing on harps on stringed instruments on tambourines on cymbals and with trumpets I mean they were worshipping they were praising God they were throwing down I can just see it in my mind. You know, they were just buck dancing and going on shouting. They were having a praise break, and it was good. (laughs) And how many of y'all know ain't nothing wrong with praising God? You ought to praise him. Our God deserves praise. Can I get a witness up in here? He is worthy to be praised, and his people ought to praise him. Nobody else in the world ought to praise God the way the church ought to praise him. He deserves praise. He deserves the honor. He deserves the glory. He deserves the praise. And we should always worship him. And so David, they were doing the right thing. They were praising. They were praising. They were praising. They were praising. praising. And then it says, And when they came to Chidon, Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark. For the oxen stumbled, so he grabbed the ark and that seemed like a good thing because he didn't want the most holy piece of furniture in the tabernacle to fall to the ground this was sacred this was holy we can't let this ark fall this represents the throne of god on earth this represents the glory of god this represents the presence of our god and the power and protection we cannot allow the ark to fall so he grabbed it Woo. And I'm sure everybody that saw him grab it probably thought that's a good thing. Except for the ones who were supposed to know better. Now watch this. He so he grabbed it. He grabbed it. Now watch this. And then it says, Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And he struck him because he put his hand To the ark. And he died there before God. Lord. Now, see. It's hard to understand why God would strike a man dead. Because this man had good intentions. He didn't want to let the ark of the covenant fall to the ground and he grabbed it to keep it from falling to the ground. That looked like a good thing that Uzzah was doing. But this good thing that Uzzah did angered God and the Bible says God struck him and he fell to the ground and he died. So God killed him. (laughs) God killed a man who was trying to do a good thing. You know, church, it's one thing, it's one thing to do a good thing, but it's a whole nother thing to do the right thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We can do a whole lot of good, but if we don't do right, God does not bless and honor just the good, what he blesses and what he honors is when we do what's right. New cart. Put on a new cart. You no, know, we live in a time now where oh my god, people are using new carts Woo, in their churches and in their services. And and these new carts are designed to bring the people in to worship. Can I get an amen? I'll never forget when I went to, when we first started the church 27 years ago, I joined this organization called the UBA. And so what their uh, purpose was, was to help you grow your church, help you grow your church. And so they use the model and the design Of the purpose-driven church and the seeker-sensitive churches and what they would do is they would have you know in these they teach you about going out into your community where you're gonna start a church and you take a survey of the people in the community and you'd ask the people in the community if we bring a church to your community what kind of church would you like to have they sought the people's opinion they didn't seek what God wanted and so when they get the answers back in the surveys, the people, well, we want a church where the preacher is not too preachy. We don't want him shouting at us. <laughs> we don't want a preacher shouting at us. Okay. And then we don't want that podium thing that he has up there. Take that down. And, and so, so, okay, all right, we'll take the podium down. And they just put a chair up here and a little table. Mm -hmm. All right. So then we want a place for our children to go because they wanted a babysitter. They wanted somebody to take care of their kids while they're in church. Can I get an amen? Amen. Mm -hmm. And then then they, um, they don't want the preacher to preach too long. We have other things to do. Sunday is fun day. Remember that. And if it's football season, of course we have to go to the Bears game or the Packers, I, I mean the Texans game. I'm from Houston, amen. <laughs> and so, and, and don't forget we like Starbucks. We like Starbucks. Make sure you have a partnership with Starbucks and put them in the church and Reverend will be there. Glory to God. <laughs> so, Preachers started designing churches around what unchurched people in the community wanted a church to be. And this is part of where the megachurch movement grew. And churches began to blow up because people were coming in because the people in the church, the leadership in the church were concerned more about meeting the needs of the people who were unchurched rather than preaching and teaching what God says. And then another thing they told us, I almost forgot about this one. Don't preach any threatening messages. You don't want to do that. You want the people to be able to feel good about coming to church. And then you want them to be able to feel good when they leave church. So don't preach threatening messages. Don't say things like sin and adultery and fornication. Don't say things like hell. Don't talk about those things. Find other ways of mentioning those things in your message, like falling short or, 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 you know, shortcomings and things like that. And so, you know, you know, young preacher, I tried it. I tried it. You know, people start coming. They was happy every Sunday. Oh, boy, you such a great... Oh, you preach the word. We, we love how you bring it and you make us feel so good. But then on the inside, on the inside of me, God, the Holy Ghost, was convicting me because I was watering down his word. And you have a house full of people who live in any kind of way they want to live. I wish I had a witness up in here. Shacked up living a homosexual lifestyle committing adultery doing any and everything that they want to do and here you are being nice to folk and not preaching and teaching the word of God and telling people if you don't repent and come out of your sin yes you are going to hell and hell is real y'all tell folk the truth and of course, of course, <laughs> of course, when you, start, when you start telling folk the truth, the crowd kind of thins out. Talk about Talk about I ain't come here to hear that. <laughs> Nobody telling me about my sin. I already know I'm in sin. Well, won't you get out of it then? So, you know, you got all this stuff to attract people to come to church. Throwback jersey Sunday. (laughs) So the pastor and and the folk in the church put on their throwback jerseys. Listen, y'all, this is crazy. Down in Houston, my wife went to a funeral of her classmate, and her classmate was a Green Bay Packers fan. And so everybody came to the funeral with Green Bay Packers jerseys on. And some of them had pajama bottoms on. Am I right, Cheryl? Did they have pajama bottoms on? Folk wear anything up in church neck. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, well, you know, and, and then when you say stuff like that, folks say, well, the Bible says come as you are. No, it doesn't. It don't say that. That ain't nowhere in the Bible. The Bible says come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Well, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Don't say nothing about it. come as you are. Folks start coming as they are. They come in flip flops and shorts and tank tops. Oh, y'all here? I remember we, we tried to do a casual Sunday because it gets hot in Houston. Y'all know, y'all been there. It gets hot, so we tried to do a casual Sunday. Folks coming up in there, you know, like they're going to the beach somewhere. We did that for about three, four months, and then I'm like, no, that's it. We ain't doing this no more. We're not doing this anymore. Why? Because the God that we serve is a holy God. He has always been holy, and He will always be holy. And when we come to worship a holy God in a sanctuary, The word sanctuary, we get the word sanctified from that. And sanctified means to set apart, to make holy, to make clean. We come into a holy place to worship a holy God. And we should come in here holy. I wish I had a witness in here. I got to finish. I got to go on and finish. Got to go on and finish. So, So watch this, watch this, watch this. It says that, uh, and uh, David, verse 11, David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day, saying, how can I bring the ark of God to me? So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it, Uh, Aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. Now watch this, church. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom with all that he had. Now watch the principle in that. The ark of the covenant rested in the house of Obed-Edom hmm the ark represents the throne of God in the earth the ark of God represents the presence of God in the earth the ark represents the power and the protection of God on the earth and now the ark of God is in the home of Obed-Edom and everything and everybody in Obed's edom house was being blessed The principle is this whenever the throne of God is in your house God's blessings will be in your house the problem is we want the throne of God to be down at the church and we do whatever we want to do at our house and when our house gets all jacked up we wonder why is it that everything is going on all hell has broken out in our house the question is is his throne in your house is his very presence in your house. And yes, I know now that there is no more tabernacle like the head. There is no more temple like the head because you are the temple of God and his spirit lives in you. So when you go to your house, you got to remember that the Holy Ghost lives in you and you can't live like you want to (laughs) live. Woo, I got it. I got to close. Chapter 15. Chapter 15. Now watch this. I'm closing. The Lord said through, through Moses, he says that when your people come into the land that I am giving them as an inheritance, he gave a prescribed way of how things were to be done. He says that uh, every king, every king. Now I skipped over a couple of things. So I need to get to this point, son, Lord. Is to be given a copy of the law. Every king, when you set a king over your people. Because y'all want to be like everybody else. Make sure that your king gets a copy. Make sure that he writes. He writes it because when you write it, it gets in you. It gets in your spirit. It gets in your mind when you write it down. David, you were the king of Judah for seven years. Now you are the anointed king of all Israel. Did you get a copy of the law? You were supposed to. Did you write it down? You're the leader, David. You're the leader. Now, you have the priestly tribe of Levi and the Levites and all of them who are supposed to know these things as well. How is it that you could just ignore what I have already written in my word on how this is supposed to be done. You were so happy. You, was, you were shouting. You were dancing in church. Y'all had such a good time. Oh my God, we churched today. Did we church? Well, we churched. We church got it all on, you know, if they would have had Facebook and, 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 um, and, and uh, all them other social medias, they would have had David and them churching. <laughs> They'd had him on that church. Praise break. <laughs> Sometimes I think that our people think that that's all church is, is a praise break. They don't put nothing of substance on, but they put the shouting and the dancing on and the, and the music and the drums and all that kind of stuff. The piano, the keyboard, the organ. And, they tu- and then they put the preacher on that hooping and, and tuning up and squalling and the folks shouting. You know, in our city, that was this one preacher. I was telling Bishop about this the other day. This guy was at this church preaching and uh, man, he was preaching. I mean, he was, he was wearing the folk out. And then all of a sudden, It was a side door over there, just like that window is. And he ran outside of the door with the microphone. And he was preaching on the outside. And the folk was still shouting and going on in there. And I'm like, now what was that? What in the world was that? Is he gonna ever come back in? Then after a while you heard him knocking on the door, y'all, Y'all need to let me back in. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? How did that help God's people in any way? How did, it, how did it edify the body of Christ in any way? It didn't. Because we are so, we are so conditioned to be entertained. To shout and to dance. And that's all church is. And then when we go home and we got to live life on life's terms and all hell is breaking loose in our homes, we have not been equipped with the word and tout how to live like God wants us to live and how to overcome these challenges that we are all facing in our life because this world, this this world that we live in, Jesus said, now listen, in me you have peace but in the world you have tribulation but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Yes, you're going to have some challenges but because you're in Christ, he says, be of good cheer. It's going to be all right. But the man of God, and the woman of God every week gives you instructions on how to deal with what you are facing. Can I get an amen today? I tell the people at our church, and, and don't get me wrong because we shout, we dance, you know, and then after all that I say all right now, all right, settle down. Open your Bibles. Because now it's time to be instructed. I never come to church on Sunday, never teach on Wednesday and not have instruction. People need instruction. They need to know how to behave themselves in the house of the Lord. And they need to know how to behave themselves out in the world. Jesus says that you are in the world but you're not of the world. Can I get an amen? He says you're the light of the world you are a city that has been set on a hill that cannot be hid you're the salt of the earth there ought to always be a difference between you and the world people ought to know that you belong to jesus he said this is how all men will know that you belong to me that you love one another it ought to be something different about the people of God we all not look like them when they come to the house of the Lord they ought to know they're in a different place they ought to know that this is a place of worship no this is not a club like, like we just came out of Saturday night this is the house of the Lord I feel his presence in this place this is what they ought to know and finally and finally as I close here as I close David puts things in order. Listen to what he says. He, he puts things in order. So he got all the chiefs and the heads of the different people in the tribes and under uh, the, the house of, uh, out of the, uh, the sons of Aaron and the Levites and all of that. And then he said to them, uh, in verse number 12 again, he says to them, you are the heads of the fathers' houses, of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves you and your brethren that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared it. Sanctify yourselves. You all are going to lead. You're going to lead the people in the worship of God. Sanctify. Set yourselves apart. Cleanse yourselves. Purify yourselves. Consecrate because you're leading the people to worship a holy God. Therefore, you need to be holy yourself. You can't, come, you can't come and try to lead people to worship a holy God. And last night, you were in the bed with somebody you're not married to. And then you rolled out of bed Sunday and prayed, Now, Lord, I know we was wrong what we done last night. But we're going to ask you to forgive us. Now, I'm going to need you to use me this morning to bless the people of God. Paul said, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. But you got to keep reading. He said, well, if grace much more abounds, shall we continue in sin? God forbid. Grace is not a license for us to live sinfully. And then in verse 13, and I'm done, I'm done, he says, he says, uh, in verse number 13, he says, for because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about, we did not consult him. Who did you consult? You consulted the people, David, about how to worship God. If you want to know how to worship God, David, you consult God. How do I get a hold of that? You had the copy of the law. You go into the law and find out how God desires to be worshiped, and you worship Him His way. You put it in your memory. That way you'll always know this is the way. God wants to be honored because he's holy. We can't bring we can't bring new carts into the church because we cannot mix the secular with the sacred. We cannot mix what is unholy with that which is holy. We can't bring the culture of the world into the church. We, Bishop and I listened to a song yesterday on the radio. And when that song came on, it was on the gospel station. I said, that sounds like the Isley Brothers. Summer breeze make me feel fine. Blowing through the jasmine in my mind. <laughs> That's what and then there was a gospel song. And then I heard a song some time ago. Uh, y'all remember, uh, Kenya, what is it, Sesame Street? you know can I, you showed me how to get to Sesame Street and then there was a gospel song come on now. and y'all remember uh, what is that uh, John Ritter used to play in that show uh, Three's Company y'all remember the song that came on and so you know see when I said to you earlier and I'm done when I, I said to you earlier after all that we've gone through for these last two and a half years or so, three years, after all that we've gone through, did we learn anything from it? Because on the other side of the pandemic, it was so much that was going on in church that we as gatekeepers, we as the watchmen on the walls, Allowed to come in because we thought that it would bring the people in. And we thought it was a good thing. It's a good thing to get the people in, but we got to get them in the right way. Jesus said, If I and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so we, we let so much go on in church, so much go on in church. And then God shut it down. We ignored the holy. We ignored that which was sanctified. We ignored it. And many of our saints died. My prayer is that we would do as David did. He opened a copy of the law. And he looked at where we went wrong. He took ownership. We we didn't do it the right way. We have to do it God's way. And if we do it God's way. God will honor us. And God will bless us. Because there is a way. That seems right unto man. But the end thereof is the ways. Of death. So when we worship him. When we honor him, do it the proper, the prescribed way, because that's the only way that he will honor. Let's stand to our feet. 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 feet. Glory to God. we I hear God saying in my spirit that this church this church this in this season God is shifting you and God is about to take you this church Christian Faith Fellowship Zion to places when I say places I'm not necessarily talking about geographical places he's going to take you to places and allow you to see things that you have never seen before he says that because of this man and this woman of God the heart and the passion that they have to lead this congregation And the leadership in this congregation. The the leaders that he has around them. God is going to raise this congregation up. This church. Not only in this city. And in this community. And this region. But this church. Is going to be a church that makes global impact. And when I say global impact. I'm not just talking about. You know people hear you over in, you know, uh, over in Africa somewhere, they hear you down in Mexico, they hear you uh, over in Australia on on live stream. No, no. I hear God saying that there would be Christian faith fellowship churches. I hear him saying this because, see, the vision always outlives the visionary. The legacy that a leader leaves always outlives him. He leaves it. Even if he retires, That will be legacy. And churches, by the name of Christian Faith Fellowship, will be global. And the new leadership that will one day be raised up in this church will be leading the way. God is using this man and this woman to set things in place. Because it is about advancing his kingdom. His kingdom. Church and leadership and pastoring is never just about me, myself and I. But it's about when I turn the reins over, it's about secession, Preparing, preparing for the future. Those of you in here, my wife said to you earlier, he said, never let any body talk you out of your eden your eden everything that adam and eve needed in the garden of eden it was there eve let the serpent talk her out of everything she needed adam stood there and watched there ain't no other women around here so all right i'll go on and eat the fruit went head on and ate and they were their home that edom eden was foreclosed on they were put out and that was a flaming cherub set at eden to keep them from coming back because everything they needed was there everything you need is here this is your eden And everything that you need, God is going to pour it into your spirit right here. Right here. Don't let anybody talk you out of this. Father, I bless you today. I honor your presence. I magnify you. I glorify you. There is no God beside you. There is no God above you. There is none like you. We worship you today, oh God, and we thank you for what you have done these 29 years, 25 years of using Bishop James and Pastor Deborah Logan to lead this congregation. Oh, how we honor you. And now, Father God, I pray that as the church continues to go forward and advance your kingdom globally, I pray in the name of jesus that you would send more and more and more and more and more and more more people who want you who want to be in the presence and under the leadership of holy and godly leaders send more and more and more i pray father god that you would send so many dear Heavenly Father that they will need to hire more and more people to help them to be able to manage all that you are sending in this congregation. I pray today in the name of Jesus Lord God that the shifting will take place Lord and that there will be a great move in this city, in this community in this region and globally dear Heavenly Father that people will come from the north, the south, the east and the west and they will desire to be in a place where your presence is where your worship it goes forth where men and women will live holy and godly and righteous I pray that you will send them send more and more and more we bless you today father and we honor you today in Jesus mighty name Let the people of God say amen. Now, if the Lord has moved upon your heart to become a member of this church, Christian Faith Fellowship Zion, you know that this is the place for you to be. I invite you to come down at this time. Come on down at this time in the name of Jesus. If you're watching on the live stream or if you're in the house today and you cannot honestly say, Bishop Hines, I know I'm saved I know if I die today if I die tomorrow I know beyond the shadow of a doubt I'm going to heaven to be with the Lord if you cannot say that with confidence and assurance if there's doubt in your heart then I want to give you an opportunity to be saved the Bible says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and there's none righteous no not one Romans 6 and 23 says for the wages of sin is death But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 say that if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and verse 9 say, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not by works, lest any man should boast. We're not saved because we're good. We're not saved because we get it right all the time. We're saved because God loved us, sent Jesus to die for the sins of the entire world. And on the third day, he raised him from the dead. And if you want to be saved, I want to lead you in a word of prayer. If you would, everyone bow your heads, please. If you're watching on the live stream and you want to be saved, just repeat this prayer. Dear God in heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins and I turn away from them. And I turn my life to you. I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died for all of my sins and you raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come into my life and save me, guide me, lead me, and teach me to live this saved life. Right now, I receive you by faith as my Savior and my Lord and I thank you Jesus for saving me I give my life to you now fill me with the Holy Ghost fill me the overflowing measures give me the ability to speak in other tongues and the power to bear witness of you by faith I receive the Holy Ghost by faith I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. By faith, I have the tongues and I have the power. Thank you for filling me today. In Jesus name, amen, amen. If you said that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, I want you to know God saved you from your sins today by faith. The next thing you should do is if you're not already a member of a good Bible teaching church, I encourage you, find a good Bible teaching church and unite with that church. Become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and then out of your obedience to him be baptized. You should come and join this church, Christian Faith Fellowship Zion, under the leadership of these great pastors. This is a great Bible teaching church and your life will be blessed tremendously. Amen. Glory to God. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.